Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast Postseason Edition. Postseason multiplex podcast postseason preview edition say that 10 times fast but welcome back to another episode where we'll get you ready for the mls playoffs we have some international nonsense to talk about a lot of really awesome international nonsense well some of it not as awesome as some other stuff but we had a lot going on between getting ready for the playoffs a lot of teams beating a certain team by a certain score line which we will talk about in a second so super super excited even connor is getting excited to talk about this that's how you know this is going to be a good podcast everyone's happy some of us more than others but it's good to be back thank you guys so much for tuning in as always i don't know who to start with this week i forgot who i started with last week connor you just had like this weird grim on your face i'll start with you how's how's your week going how's school going are you almost done with school because you guys when do you end how much longer do you have uh I end, my last class is December 6th, then I got one exam, which is December 14th, so I've still got a bit of a ways to go, um, but things are getting very, very, very busy. Uh, okay, what happened in the football? Both of you are reacting. Matt Ryan got It's not important. Oh it's not important. We don't need to talk about it. Continue, please. Okay, well, if you weren't aware, we're recording Thursday night, and of course, Thursday night football is going on, and... The Falcons are playing, so therefore both of them are preoccupied by the Falcons game. Uh, That's not true. This is way more important to me. I just want to point that out. Yes, because you've been paying so much attention to and not reacting to the football game at all. There's nothing to see. I don't know what football game you're talking about. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But yeah, my week's very busy. I've got two papers due on Monday, Tuesday, which or a lot, but then after that, I'm hopefully cooling off a little bit in terms of the amount of work I have. Uh, but, you know, we're almost done. We're almost there. So just grinding that out and grinding my way to finish my second last semester of university, hopefully. But, yeah, I don't have much else to add other than Canada are great at soccer, and we'll talk about that. Josh, how was your weekend weekend week and weekend um it was uh it was not good <laughs> if i'm just being completely honest with you guys it was not very good um i've i've certainly had better better weeks better weekends but it's all good still here still still living life 
Uh, last few days have been better, but just not a not a good week overall. We don't we don't have to get into it. It's fine, but but just to be just to be completely honest, not very good. Um, what all happened? I mean, really, just a bunch of teaching stuff. That's that's taking up the majority of my time. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the U.S. was was heavy on my mind, heavy on everybody's mind with their fantastic performance on on Friday night. I'm sorry, this. Like this is this Falcons game is like the who's who of what could possibly go wrong. Matt Ryan is hurt. He is bleeding everywhere. Young Waku made a field goal, and then the Falcons got a penalty, so he had to retake the field goal, and then he freaking missed it. Do you know how rarely this guy misses field goals? Oh my god! It's just this is just whatever. Like I said, I don't care about the Falcons anymore. They don't deserve my attention. But anyway, oh, you know what? I will say this: the Hawks, uh, the Hawks have really turned it up this week. They're back home. They had this brutal road trip where they they lost all four of their games, and they were leading those games at one point or another in the third or fourth quarter, and they managed to lose all of them. So they were four and nine heading into this current uh, home stretch that they've got, and they've won their first three in this homestand. So. As awful as the Falcons have been, you know, we haven't had a lot of soccer. Uh, you know, we did get those couple U.S. games, but it's been nice to every couple nights put on a Hawks game and feel joy again because uh, it was certainly rough there for a minute, but looks like they're turning things around. So, yeah, it was, uh, like I said, we're out, we're out here living. We're out here living life, everything that comes with it. Drew, how was your week, your weekend? Um, yeah. Yeah, it was good. It's getting pretty busy ending the semester. I don't know when I technically end classes. I have a couple projects left to do that I wait until the last minute because that's just what you do, I think. Um, so No, that's not what you do. You're not that supposed not to do it, do. but do we do it? We do it all the time. So that's fun, knocking those yeah. out. Um, graduation is like less than a month. I picked up my cap and gown today, which is probably the freakiest moment of my life. Uh, so that was good, but kind of terrifying. And yeah, this dude hacked into my eBay account the other day, like at two in the morning. And then he bought like three random oil filters for cars. So I just woke up one day and I had like $300 taken away from my account. I was like, oh man, that's a bummer. So that was a rough bump in the road, but hopefully we'll get it figured out. I trust eBay, and in eBay we trust. Um, so that was why rough. Do, what, why did both of your weeks suck? You know, sometimes a guy just gets your eBay account stuff and <laughs> needs some oil filters, I guess. I don't know. I can right. tell you why my week sucked, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to talk about it here. I can tell you exactly why it wasn't. Is it because some oil filters didn't show up at your front door because you scammed me on eBay? I wish. I wish oil filters were my problem, but unfortunately, that's not that. If whoever bought three oil filters from Drew Hubbard 5 on eBay, if you listen to this (laughs) podcast, turn yourself in, you turd. (laughs) That's the reason I didn't get to watch the U.S. and Jamaica game because Paramount Plus was like, you have no money to pay your subscription. What's going on? Oof. It was rough. I mean, I didn't miss a but, killer game, which was good, but... No. What... First of all, you illegal streams do exist. Even... They do. You know, 
Probably should have um, done that. You know that's not a pleasant experience, that, though. It's never a pleasant experience. Eh, depends on the stream you use. I don't know. I don't use it very often. I basically only use it when I'm up here. In you sound like and... someone who's figured out how to get really good streams all the time. You sound like a seasoned <laughs> veteran well, I had here. a, I had a friend of mine give me a certain site that's actually very good. Um, so you got a guy. <laughs> I got a guy. Uh, but I use it up when i'm in my office in quotes uh on the third floor of my house because my parents i my our tv's in on the first floor in the living room so i can't watch sports when i'm in a class because you know so i just pull up a stream on my phone or my desktop and i have the game on in the background uh but you know that's just how i do things uh but speaking of soccer let's talk about soccer because there's a lot of soccer to talk about. And we'll start with the U.S. Because you talked about the Jamaica game. First of all, what did you think of the Mikel Antonio shot? Second of all, how pissed off are you? Okay, why, why are we starting with this? The U.S. has had one of their best performances of all time in the history of the we're program. Getting, we're getting the bad stuff out yeah. of the way early. Start and low. Then we're getting to the it's good all stuff. uphill from here. All right, fine. Um... I'm not even angry about the Mikel Antonio goal. I mean, I'm not. That it was awesome. It was it was awesome. Like even as I watched it happen, like I I didn't even feel that angry because it was such a good goal. Like as as much as I love the U.S. Women's National Team and want them to win and you know think they should win or whatever against Jamaica, like that's just one of those deals where you just sit there and as a soccer fan, like that's what overrules your feelings, and you just enjoy that single moment of brilliance. Um, and honestly, I really wish I'd been there because like every single, um, every single reporter, journalist, you know, media member that was there, uh, live, they said the sound it made coming off his foot was like nothing they've ever heard before. So like, I really wish like I was able to see that in person just for that, just for the sound alone. So in that sense, not upset. Uh, you know, the U S failing to win, on the road to one of the worst teams in CONCACAF is disappointing, but because of what they just did on Friday night, I think it kind of softened the blow of that result. And at the end of the day, if you win your home games and you draw your road games, like that's a recipe for success. So, and, and last thing I'll say about this is that Antonio goal really kind of threw the U S off its game. More so because these are these still these young kids, and it's clear that they were so strong in the first 20 minutes, and then when that goal happened, it's like they just didn't really know how to recover from it, and I think that's something that they will get better at over time. So that's not something I can really be that upset about either. It's not like, you know, Greg Berhalter was out there playing, you know, Paul Ariola as a, a center back. You know, I can't be upset at Greg Berhalter because he put out a good team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, again, these guys are just young, and they're going to have these sort of growing pains, so... How lucky did you guys think you got? Because in my opinion, the Jamaican offside offside foul goal should have counted. Yeah, I don't I don't know, dude. I think this CONCAF's a weird place, man. It's a weird thing. But I'm kind of with Josh. Like, if you, what, they played Mexico on a, it's on a Thursday, Wednesday, Friday. Friday, Friday, and then Jamaica on Tuesday. Right? Have my days right? Yeah. 
And yes. you're going from playing in Cincinnati, which, by the way, fun fact, the U.S. Women's National Team, U.S. Men's National Team, and FC Cincinnati all have three wins at TQL Stadium. That's bad and really good. So credit to Cincinnati. Love that for you. Um, <laughs> but when you're dealing with these young kids and you're getting up for the super big game against Mexico, a little bit of hangover flying from Cincinnati to Jamaica, I think is understood. I wouldn't say, I don't want to say expected because I don't want that to begin to be the standard of dropping points to teams that you are just more talented than, but not too disappointed. Um, lucky break. Yeah. Again, thanks to some dude in California. I didn't get to watch the game. So that was kind of a bummer, but I think I've seen the highlight, uh, haven't watched it very closely yet, but I do see what you're saying and lucky breaks, lucky breaks. CONCACAF. It's a weird place. Josh, any comment on the disallowed goal? It is what it is. If I was a Jamaican it fan, is what it is. if it was the other way around, I'd be really upset. But I'm not. You know, I'm on the I'm on the lucky side of this for sure. Um, by the way, also missed in that match was the Chris Richards handball. Right? That or was that this game or was that in Yes. I don't know. Yeah, he had a apparently he had a handball in the first half. I, I didn't see it, but the ref missed it, and VAR would have caught it, th- theoretically. Um, which I think the, the news of the weekend that kind of got lost in all of these games is that CONCACAF is installing VAR for the rest of qualifying. It is? Yes. I so, thought they couldn't do that. That's what they said, but I think there's been enough pressure where they've figured something out to where they can get it done which is hilarious because when have you ever heard of like i don't know this is just so silly this is a qualifying tournament for the biggest tournament in the world like in the sporting world and you've decided ah, you know what a little more than halfway we're gonna put this thing in that should have been in the whole time can completely alter the rest of this tournament uh but we'll just go ahead and put it in no big deal so you know i they they fumbled the bag here as usual, CONCACAF. That is very dumb. Like, I, I thought the reason they couldn't put it in was because only three countries could actually put it in. And yep. now all of a sudden they've magically figured out how all five other countries are going to be able to install VAR. I mean, look, it's pretty obvious at this point that CONCACAF could have figured out how to have it for the entire, uh, you know, entire tournament. But for whatever reason, it decided either wasn't worth the cost or the hassle or the training required. Uh, but, I mean, look, VAR is is a thing now. And, yeah, we, we don't have to get into that, but it, it should have been in there from the start. No, we don't have to get into that. We'll, we'll quickly mention, uh, and we'll just sort of get out of the way before talking about Mexico. Canada won against Costa Rica, won nothing. Uh, didn't look fantastic. They managed to beat Costa Rica off a Jonathan David goal, who just continues to keep scoring. He's in such good form right now for both Lille and Canada. Uh, so big ups him. U.S.-Mexico. You won. This game was in the U.S., correct? Yeah, Cincinnati. Oh, for sure. What did you guys think about the U.S.'s performance against Mexico? Freaking awesome. It was great. I did get to watch this game. This was pre-eBay conundrum. I thought team was good. The first half, I thought Mexico played better in the first half, but the U.S. just hung in there. 
Um, Pulisic coming off the bench was killer when you have a player that talent coming off. I think there was some debate there of whether or not to start him, and I even think his manager at Chelsea specifically reached out or said, media, whatever, pretty much said don't start him because he's battling with injury, and Chelsea want him healthy as much as they can. Um, So he came off the bench. I think that was the right idea to have a player of that caliber coming off the bench. Uh, Made a difference. Timothy Wea, which we'll talk more about Wea as the episode goes on. Really good assist. He just had a really good window. And yeah, Pulisic got on the end of it. A special player in a special moment. And then with Weston McKinney, uh, kind of a lucky bounce, I think. Got the ball in the area. Ball kind of bounced his way, but he took advantage of it. So I thought the U.S. was not the better team in the first half, but they got, don't want to say got away with it, but they survived it. Uh, Zach Steffen, I thought, played really well. There was a lot of debate might be the right word for it, whether or not it should be Stefan or Matt Turner starting in goal. I think Berhalter came out the day before the match and announced that Stefan would be in goal. And that, of course, made the Twitter world go crazy. What are you doing? Matt Turner's in such good form. Stefan doesn't really play a whole lot, but he came up big. He kept the U.S. in that game for those two goals later in the second half to seal it. And yeah, they played really well. I think there is a still battle of perception of how the average American sports fan views U.S. men's national team. And anytime you can beat Mexico to nothing, those Cicero, our lovely favorite scoreline in soccer, is always a good thing. And to do in Cincinnati, which is cool, that stadium looked awesome. Not a whole lot of fans there, but it seemed like a really good atmosphere. As I saw some people on Twitter saying that maybe TQL turns into the new home stadium for the U.S. because there's not really a home stadium for the men's national team. And uh, so it was cool. It was awesome. Atmosphere looked great. And the U.S. got out of the first half nil-nil, got some special players to find the back of the net to make it two. And so I thought it was good all the way around. A lot of really good performances, which we'll talk about more when we get into players of the week and things like that. So all in all, anytime you beat Mexico 2 nothing is good, especially in this World Cup qualifying window where Mexico currently sit third, which is awesome, which we'll talk more about why they are in third in a minute because they lost to another team. But those are all my thoughts as far as U.S.-Mexico game goes. Um, it was wild. I was playing Monopoly as that game was happening. Maybe had one too many uh, adult beverages while it was going on, so I don't remember the whole thing, but it was still a good time. So I enjoyed it. Good performance by the U.S. Josh, what did you think about the 2021 version of Dos Acero, the third consecutive time the U.S. has beat Mexico. I think I saw a stat. That's the first time in this rivalry a team has won three in a row since 1937, and it fell the U.S.'s way this time. So what did you think about the U.S. getting it done against Mexico for the third straight time? Yeah, so I actually uh, wasn't able to watch this game live, at least. Um, I was out with some friends um and so I, I i wasn't able to see it i was trying to follow along on twitter i had a friend texting me updates and whatnot and uh from just from looking on twitter right i got the sense that like the u.s was playing really well you know whatever they're having a really good performance that's awesome and of course they came away with the win i ended up watching it the next night i rewatched it and oh my gosh i mean i was so impressed with the way this team came out and played on Friday night. Um, 
And, you know, to be honest with you, I wasn't even, and of course I'm biased because I know the results. I know, you know, kind of how things went, but to me, it didn't even really feel like Mexico was all that threatening, even in the first half, which was much better for Mexico than the second half. But I felt like Zach Steffen did a good job of stepping up when needed and kind of setting the tone for the rest of the game with those big saves he had in the first half. And so, of course, keep that clean sheet. Um, and so, you know, big for him. I was hoping it was going to be Matt Turner. I think Matt Turner should be the starter. I think he should be the number one over Stefan. But it's kind of nice to, you know, look at this team and and feel really confident in two goalkeepers because I think at this point, like, Zach Stefan has done enough um, on the international stage, even with his limited appearances with Man City. I think he's done enough to to the point where I'm not going to be that stressed if it's Stefan or Turner starting in goal. Like, I feel so comfortable – with either either of those guys at this point, like you mentioned, Tim Wayo was awesome. I gotta give props to Christian Pulisic um, and Weston McKinney, but especially Pulisic. You know, I I went on that rant a couple months ago about the U.S. needing more MLS players, and part of that rant I included the sort of asterisk that Mexico is its own thing because we've shown that we can beat Mexico with mostly European players, mostly. MLS players, like it doesn't really matter. But, and I don't know if I've shared it on the podcast or if I've even really said this to other people, but I've been really personally very critical of Christian Pulisic and what he can do with this team. No, really? Have I I railed on him here? Like, I feel like I haven't really... You said Christian Pulisic shouldn't start for the U.S. men's national team in any games. Yeah, I mean, well, I look like a genius after this weekend, if that's what I said. (laughs) <laughs> super so yeah i mean the dude came on and scored a goal in which case i mean i'll take that all day i'll take that every single game i'll take a dose of Cero against any team anywhere in the world any tournament if it means christian pulisic doesn't start so yeah i actually feel really good about that um but beside the starting thing like I, dude has not scored a goal from open play for the u.s since the gold cup in 2019 that is that is a brutally long stretch I mean, that's a brutal stretch. I mean, pandemic aside, that's still a really long time regardless. So for him to come in off the bench and have that immediate impact, I mean, good good for him. That's what we need out of him. And I mean, I'm not going to get into it now or anything, but there are still some issues with him on the field in the U.S. and him trying to take on this sort of individual role when in reality we just need him to function as part of the team. But that's that's a debate for another day. But yeah, just a great performance all the way around. I it was it was a lot of fun rewatching that game and just seeing how good the U.S. was, and uh, it, it felt like a really important step, especially for how young the team is. How many European players were on the field? I thought that was as big too, because they're finally getting that chemistry together where I think they can be successful. So uh, yeah, I mean, just a great all around, great all around performance, and hopefully we'll see more of that for these guys. Wasn't the only great performance that happened this week. Uh, Canada beat Mexico 2-1 to one in the Ice Teca. Um, <laughs> I don't know if either of you saw it. I assume you did. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Question, look, question, look, Connor. question, question. What's better, Ice Teca or El Trafico? Ice El Trafico. Are you kidding me? El Trafico. Oh. Oh. El Trafico is such a dumb name that it is immediately supersedes all other rivalry names or whatever you know jokes you want to make. 
No, 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 no. They weren't calling the rivalry Ice Teca. I know. They were calling the stadium Ice Teca. Connor, I know. Look, look, man, I was way more excited for the Canada-Mexico game than I was the U.S.-Jamaica game, if that tells you anything. I was following along all day. I kept sending my friend the pictures of the snow in Edmonton. I was like, dude, this game is going to be amazing. Like, Mexico stands no chance. It was awesome. I was very excited for it. It was... A lot of fun up until the 90th minute. Then it got very scary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did not like that. Uh, Milan Borion, thank you for saving us. Uh, that was unbelievable, that goal line stop. So <laughs> shout out him. But let's dive into the game a little bit because obviously, Josh, you want to talk about this. Uh, I've already talked about it today on my radio show. But Canada beat Mexico. Kyle Aaron, two goals. Now tied for the most, uh, for the lead for the most goals scored for the Canadian men's national team. Um, Atiba Hutchinson is now the most capped Canadian men's inter, uh, national team player of all time. So a night of history, really. And Canada finally beating Mexico for the first time since I think it was 2000. So huge, huge, huge result for them. My first question, though, and it's pretty obvious. What did you guys think about Sam Adekubi's Diving celebration. Most Canadian thing I've ever seen. I loved it. <laughs> no, it was not the most Canadian thing you've ever seen. He would have whipped out a bottle of maple syrup out of that um, <laughs> uh, that snow stack, but he did not. That would have been pretty good. That would have been funny. Uh, but what did you guys think about the game in general? What do you think of Canada's performance? Because I'm curious to hear this, because I have thoughts on Canada's performance. Um and what did you think about Mexico? Um, so I did not I, I had a rehearsal until I didn't get home until like ten fifteen. So I didn't actually get to watch like the beginning of the game. I caught the end. Like I saw that crazy sequence at the very end when Mexico like came within inches of of scoring the equalizer, and that was so stressful. But you know, the only thing I really want to say about this is just that we, we – I mean, we talked about it last international window. Canada's really, really good. And we said that, like, they're up there for best team in CONCACAF. I still – I would still give Mexico the slight edge um, at this point. But really, I mean, all three North American teams, Canada, Mexico, the U.S. I mean, we're seeing – especially in Canada and the U.S., we're seeing such a jump and talent and we're finally starting to see the results of that talent being on the field and that is just so exciting and as for mexico in this window like in all fairness to them they they are missing a lot of key players along the back line they had to play two road games against the two best opponents they're gonna face in this entire qualifying format one of those games was in the absolutely frigid cold like very, <laughs> very obviously, <laughs> yeah, very obviously like stacked against them. And so I I guess it's really not all that surprising that Mexico lost both of these games if you if you look at it that way. But it is still kind of a shock to the system to see the US and Canada handle business like they did. Now, you know, is it gonna be like that when the US goes on the road down to the Azteca? I mean, probably not. Uh Canada, that's different. They are I I think they're Mexico's kryptonite for the record. I think if there's any team Mexico wants to ever avoid again for the rest of their time, it's Canada because those teams just don't fit like that. Um, but yeah, I, I 
if you're a Mexican fan, like don't don't freak out. Like it's gonna be fine. You're still gonna make the World Cup, and I don't think it's time to fire Tata or anything like that. Um, but I mean, yeah, just a bad trip up north for them. Bad trip up north. Drew, what did you think about the Canada Mexico game? Yeah, I think I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it. Obviously, got to see Vasily, saw the goals. Um, it was good to see Canada do that, and it was good. I think when we talked last window about. Canada potentially being the best team in CONCACAF. A recurring theme that kept coming up was, well, they they get results, but they don't win the games they're supposed to win. They'll get this big win, and then they'll draw like to Honduras or Jamaica or things like that. But leading up to this game against Mexico, there was so much hype and build up to it. Like you said, Josh, I mean, you pay attention to that game. That was like the most I've ever cared about a Canada soccer match in my life. Just because everyone was like, they might actually have a shot here. And the fact that it was being played in snow just made it that much cooler. So there was a lot of hype in this. Um, and it was a game that Canada very well could have won, and they did. Now, granted, like we talked about, the end was a little, aw, crap, what's going on? Like, is this going to be another Canada? Have a good result, but you didn't get the three points. You only got the one point when you should have gotten three. But they held on, no matter how crazy as it was, so... I mean, like Connor said, what, first time in 21 years that they've beaten Mexico? So this is a big win. Um, a lot of really big players that we know, we watch play in the league. You know, Tejon Buchanan, Alistair Johnston, and just all these players that we've seen in MLS just tear it up against Mexico. And on the Mexican side of things with the Tata Martino, I think I'm on, I'm with you, Josh, but I don't think the rest of the country is with you. I think there is this expectation just in Mexican soccer that beat everyone no matter what and when you lose to the u.s is bad enough three times in a row i think is that's pretty bad and then when you lose to canada that's just that's just embarrassing now it shouldn't be because canada's a good team but there's this historical perception that like it's canada you know like what are you doing we're mexico so i'm with you josh i just don't think the majority of mexican soccer media and fans are with you. I think he's in a very tight situation right now. Uh, obviously love him, what he did in Atlanta, but pretty wild times, key players. But, yeah, that was – I don't know much about Canada soccer. I'll let Connor take the most of this, but that that's like – that has to be one of, the, like, the most iconic Canada soccer moments that I – between that and the women winning gold this year, I mean, this is like Canada's run. So – I know it's not the summer, but good six months for Canadian soccer. Um, so a huge win for me. I don't know if I, Connor, you probably have more to say about where it fits in the overall landscape of Canada soccer. Where does it rank in all-time wins and things like that. But and talk about the atmosphere. Like Edmonton was nuts. Like that was so cool to see in a city that you just think of the Oilers and you think of that. But to see that city go crazy about soccer was pretty awesome. So Connor, I'll let you take it. But it was awesome win to see Canada do that to Mexico after Mexico lost to the U.S. So, Yeah, it was great to see. Um, jumping off that point on it being a great year for Canada, I've seen a, a lot of people actually saying Canada probably had the best year of all the soccer federations on the planet, um, like over Italy, over everyone, considering the success that they've had with Canada winning the gold medal, now top of CONCACAF and World Cup qualifying. Um, the success that they had at the Gold Cup, where they probably should have beaten Mexico if it weren't for the race, uh, not racist, homophobic chance. 
Uh, yeah, but talking more about the game, I think what neither of you mentioned was just how cold it was. Like, that was the coldest game Mexico has ever played in, in their history. Uh, it was like negative 15 degrees with the wind chill in Celsius. Okay, I was about that to ask, is, what is that in Fahrenheit? It's like six Fahrenheit. That somehow sounds even worse. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's really, really cold, uh, although it can get colder. What's even funnier about that is the actual temperature was minus seven at kickoff around there. They don't, at, FIFA doesn't actually recommend you consider suspending a match until the base temperature is minus 15 Celsius, which was what it was with the wind chill. So they still had a ways to go. Um, I will say the field wasn't fantastic. It definitely could have been better. Ball was bouncing a lot. Really, it wasn't a great pitch, but... Was was that grass or was that artificial turf? Artificial turf. Uh, so, yeah. Canada didn't really benefit off that. I think with the next window, they're looking at grass, though, so... You can look forward to that when Canada plays the U.S. and the U.S. has to visit Canada on January 30th, where the potential locations currently are BMO Field, Hamilton's Field, or Olympic Stadium in Montreal. So, Where's the other stadium? Hamilton, Ontario. Oh, okay, okay. Is it, um, it's south of Toronto. The... Uh, the the Montreal Stadium is that indoors? Oh, the state the I Olympic Stadium? No, I don't think so. No, because they're gonna have to install turf or like grass if they do play there. They're talking about potentially doing that. Uh, that's one of the options, sort of thing, which would cost a whole boatload of money. But they're thinking about potentially putting quickly putting in turf. Uh, but it is outdoors. It's Olympic Stadium in Montreal, if you're looking it up. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what they do with the next window. This game, I thought Canada played okay. They could have been a lot better. Given the conditions, I thought they were pretty good. I thought it was their most impressive win, though. Uh, I've seen from them in a very long time. It rivals the win against the U.S. at BMO Field in 2019. Uh, given the team that Canada had for that game. And yeah, it was just really, really impressive result for Canada. Have I take it both of you are looking at the stadium currently? This is yeah. wild, dude. Call oh me crazy, gosh. but that looks indoors to me. Uh, I don't know. This is, I'm like really confused. Right. It kind of reminds me of BC Place. Um, maybe it has that like rollaway roof, but... Oh yeah, it looks like it can. It looks like the roof can be closed or open. It reminds me of the Viking Stadium that like there's a roof, but it can be clear. So essentially, there is no roof. Who plays so here? It, what is the what is this stadium? I just googled. It's okay. A little bit of context on the stadium. <laughs> First of all, it was decided to keep the roof permanently closed in 1992. Okay, so there you go. it is closed. It's from when Montreal hosted the Olympics. Is this where the Expos it's played? Olympic Stadium. Uh, I think so. Go Expos. Yeah. yeah. I'm, maybe it, it was is. Stipu uh, Stiputo. 
No, no, no. This is this is where the Expos used to play. Yeah, I'm thinking about which um, if it's outdoors or not, because I think it was going to be outdoors. I don't know. Basically, they want it. I, the team wants it on the East Coast because it's easier for travel, uh, despite what former podcast guests would like to make you believe. Um, you know who you are if you're listening to this. It You're not right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what they decide to do. They could stick it out in none of it for all I know. Um, but yeah. Let's continue talking about Canadians, though, and let's get into this debate, even though I really don't want to. Under 22, MLS Young Player of the Year was awarded. Today, it went to Ricardo Pepe. Tajan Buchanan finished second. Tajan Buchanan earned more votes from the players and I believe the fans. However, Ricardo Pepe won because of the media. I'm not as angry about this as some people. I find it, okay, whatever, is what it is. I find it kind of annoying that one section of the vote sways it so much. But I'm more curious to hear what you two have to say as Americans, because I'm sure my Canadian bias is tearing me alive in terms of wanting Tajan Buchanan to be named... Young player of the year. I don't know if it's... I'm looking at the breakdown right now. I don't know, again, literally, I have no idea how this works. But, sorry, uh, I don't know if the media gets a heftier vote or if it's just because... Because Ricardo Pepe really won the media race. He got 59.1% compared to Tejan's 19.7%. So, I don't know. That seems very swayed. But, like, I think... These votes are so weird, dude. Like, the fans getting a say in it, it's just wild because then it opens the door of, well, who has more fans? Is the Lane United people? If Joseph Martinez scores from the penalty spot, it's probably going to win goal of the week if it gets nominated. That's how this nonsense works. So, I mean, both really good players. I think the thing that might have been hurting Tejon in this whole battle, if you want to call it that, is that Tejon plays with such really talented players. And when you're playing with heel... Buxa, Bo, Matt Turner, um, this whole team, you kind of just get by the wayside. Bo, Ricardo, Pepe, I mean, you're like the only bright spot on one of the worst teams in the league. So maybe that's why he got oh, the vote. Careful there. Jesus Ferreira and Nkosi Tafara do play for the We do FC love, Dallas. we love Nkosi. Rough season, but we do love FC Dallas. Their Twitter and Instagram is very good. So shout out to FC Dallas' social media people but that i think that's why um but they're both really good players i think i think ricardo pepe would be more than happy to be in tejan buchanan's shoes right now with a supporter shield in one hand going for an mls cup and possibly the best team in league history so i think tejan is just just fine winning games with canada winning shields but is what it is both really good players daryl dk got a nod in there he's been heating up lately Ezekiel Barco got a nod in there. I don't have any idea why that's a thing. Uh, Julian Araujo got in there. Good player. All these guys are good players, but all aboard the Pepe train. Choo-choo. Yeah, no, I mean, this just isn't a big deal. It's just not. Um, you know, if 
we can talk about the media being a huge factor, but like Pepe, as far as the player and club vote goes, he wasn't that far off from Buchanan. So doesn't really matter that the media had so much sway, um, in my opinion. Also, like they're both good and like it doesn't really matter. Either one could have won the award and I think it's, you know, that's awesome. Like Drew said, Tajon gets to bring home some silverware and Pepe just gets his little player, you know, young player of the year trophy. So I think Buchanan really wins out of all this. Um, and I, I also want to say that as an MLS fan, I can appreciate what both of these guys has done in MLS this year. And it's not to me, it's not an American or Canadian thing. It's not a media bias. It's a I mean, hold on. This is the same this is the same player whose fans voted him into an all-star game just so one of the social media admins could get a tattoo. So I don't know why we're underestimating their fan base so much in this particular instance. Like they put this guy in an all-star game, they can make him win, you know, young player of the year. So it's whatever. <laughs> All right, now that that conversation's over, uh, thankfully, <laughs> let's continue the topic of <laughs> let's continue the topic of Canada and talk about Bob Bradley, who is out as LAFC's head coach. He's out of contract at the end of the year. They've mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, he'd been with the team since their first season, and he's being pretty heavily linked with the Toronto FC job. Before we get to the TFC situation, I want to know, was this the right decision by LAFC to let go of Bob Bradley? No, it was not. Um, I, I am seeing so many shades of Atlanta United and LAFC right now. Um, this reminds me of when Tata left and Atlanta United was like, you know, we have this style of play now. We have this identity. Like the fans, you know, they're, they're accustomed to this certain style of play, blah, blah, blah. And I'm reading this article by Tom Bogert. He put it out, I think only just a couple hours ago, about, he, about Bradley leaving and he spoke with LAFC GM John Thorrington. And Thorrington said, quote, this is not a rebuild. You know who else said this is not a rebuild? Carlos Bocanegra said this is not a rebuild when Atlanta United got rid of Tata, uh, decided to quote-unquote evolve uh, when Frank DeBoer came in. And uh, things have not... Sorry, can you tell me, was it a rebuild? Yeah, it ended up being a rebuild into what Atlanta United is now. You're saying letting go of somebody who is crucial in shaping your franchise's image and who's crucial to your team, letting go of somebody like that is a bad idea. <laughs> maybe Connor, maybe just maybe it is a bad idea. Um, if only, if only there was past evidence of that happening with, I don't know, Atlanta United or, you know, Toronto FC. If only that was, <laughs> A I mean, I mean, look, at the end of the day, like Bob Bradley could very well be like, look, I don't want to be here anymore. You know, things have been great, but I'm ready for something new. Uh, to me, it kind of feels like a mutual thing. Like literally this feels mutual. Like they're kind of just tired of each other. In which case, 
I can understand burnout and things going stale. I mean, look at the best soccer team of all time, Barcelona, those years that Pep was there. I mean, they, they could play anybody off the field, and even after a couple years, players, you know, kind of get tired of the same old, same old. And it's hard. It's hard to maintain that success. But do you know what Pep did after that? You know what he figured out how to do? He figured out if I refresh the squad consistently enough, I don't run into that issue. Look at Man City. He's been there for, what, four or five years now? Nobody talks about burnout with that team because they're constantly refreshing the squad. Did they refresh the squad with LAFC? Uh, No, they did not. All they did was get rid of guys and the wrong guys at that. Moving Walker Zimmerman was a mistake. Uh, Moving Mark Anthony K, mm, it's too early to tell, but could end up being a mistake. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just don't think they refreshed the squad enough. I think Bradley's a great coach, and by the way, when he ends up in Toronto, because he will, this is this is exactly like the Greg Vanny to LA Galaxy situation. Not a single report came out about that. Everyone was just like, oh, well, yeah, he's going to LA Galaxy. I mean, duh. Like, that's, that's exactly how this is going so far. Not a single report has come out about Bob Bradley going to TFC. But everyone's like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like, it's going to happen. And uh, Bradley, <laughs> Toronto's going to be really good again. They're going to be really good again. I don't, I don't know how long it will last. And the but, only but, the only fear I have is he starts playing Michael at like striker or something. Nah, nah. I mean, son. <laughs> even even if he does, like, there's a part of me that like really wants that to happen. Now that you mention that, <laughs> um, <laughs> I I don't think he's like like um, you know I don't think he's gonna do no, anything like what that. What I did but. learn, what I did learn recently, and actually just today, apparently his brother also works for TFC, Ryan as like the head of communications or something, which I had no idea about. So there's even more of a connection. Uh, but did you have anything else you wanted to add, Josh? Uh, no. No? Drew, let's get your thoughts on Bob Bradley departing LAFC. Yeah, first thing, it was really funny. I was watching We Are LAFC the night before this happened. So I wake up the next morning like, oh, crap, that's funny. So that was funny. Uh, yes, I don't... I don't know if it was a good move or not. We're talking about the need for refreshment in a squad and four years. I I don't uh, I'm worried to say it was a good decision and it was not a good decision. Obviously time will tell, but I think this idea of needing squad rotation leads me to think that it wasn't the worst thing in the world. I think I lean more on a lot of the mistakes were around the general manager, whoever that is, um, which I like to think some of these moves Bob Bradley did have a hand in and a say in. But like Josh said, I mean, losing Walker Zimmerman was huge and all these transfers going on with the club. Uh, so I think there are bigger issues at play here than just Bob Bradley being on the touchline managing games. So I, I think... I think there are bigger problems, so I don't think it's going to be a magical switch. Um, so I think I don't think it was like, the best decision. I think there are other things at play here. And again, this guy had one bad season, and they won the Shield, what, two years ago? Two, three years ago, broke the record at the time. So he had a good... 2019. 2019, two years ago. He, at the time, had the points record, uh, fell in the playoffs again, and... 
yeah, assuming a successful stint at LAFC, I think that's good when we talk about him trying to go to Toronto or other jobs around the league. He's very respected in this league, obviously, with his time with the Fire in the 90s and now dominating with LAFC. So I don't think it was the best move for LAFC to let him go, um, but we'll see see where he goes. We'll see where who fills in that LAFC spot, maybe a certain manager who's going to get fired from his Mexican national team job, trying to make a rerun back at MLS. You know it makes sense. I'm all here for it, so we'll see what happens. Connor, what do you think about LAFC parting ways with Bob Bradley? And do you think there's a chance, what if Chris Armas goes to LAFC? No, nope, he's <laughs> not getting another head coaching job at MLS. I can guarantee assistant, you that. Just, assistant coach. Like, maybe he... Okay. Make him the water quickly boy. On Chris, quickly on Chris Armas. He's a terrible head coach. It is weird. We have seen at least two examples of that, and he's had two opportunities. He's a terrible head coach. However, he's a good assistant coach. That's the thing. There are some people who are good assistant coaches and not good head coaches. Tata Martino and Chris Armas on the same coaching staff in LAFC. <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever heard. I that, want that more than that anything. That would never happen. That would not never a chance, happen. but it, you <laughs> but I, know but I it wish. would be primetime television. But they shake hands on the touchline. <laughs> that would be chaotic as hell. That's why I'm here That'd for it. so much fun. I'm here for it. Put him in Cincinnati. That would be a lot of fun. Honestly, I wouldn't rule out Chris Armas being hired by Cincinnati based on the direction that they're going. Uh, But back to Bob Bradley. While I think it was a bad decision to let him go, I think it was inevitable at this point. The team had really stagnated this year. You know, you just sent Diego Rossi on loan. Brian Rodriguez just got back from being on loan. You just sold Mark Anthony Kay. There are rumors surrounding, um, oh, why am I blanking on his name? Starts with an E. Oh, Edward Atuesta. Atuesta, thank you. Edward Atuesta. Um, rumors surrounding him potentially looking at a move. I think it was Brazil he was being linked to. So I think it sort of reached a point where that relationship sort of wouldn't work anymore. And I think it was the same situation as with TFC and Greg Vanny. You know, it was sort of a relationship. It sort of run its course almost. Um, I think Vanny probably could have had a bit more left to give to TFC, could have gone for at least another season. But I think with Bob Bradley, it sort of had reached a breaking point. And it doesn't really make sense for him to continue on when the team really didn't have much success this season. So him moving on, I think it will in the short term, not be beneficial for LAFC, but in the long term, I think it will be beneficial. Uh, it'll allow them to sort of find a new identity and bring in new talent, new faces, uh, which I think they could pro- really use after pretty much being pretty stagnant in the playoffs. Uh, but in terms of Bradley potentially joining TFC, again, as Josh said, it's the same situation as Greg Vanny. He didn't, there were no reports that he was going to LA Galaxy, but everybody knew he was going to LA Galaxy. 
There are no reports that Bob Bradley's going to TFC, but everybody knows he's going to TFC, especially after Chicago hired a new coach, which we'll dive into in a second. Uh, so I will not be surprised come next Friday or our next recording if Bob Bradley is the new head coach of Toronto FC after they play their Canadian Championship game against Club de Foot de Montréal, who are in a whole load of other stuff that we are not going to get into today because that is a mess of a situation. Um, but, yeah, I I don't know anything, but I'd say expect Bob Bradley to be Toronto FC's next coach based on everything we have seen. Let's talk Chicago because they also hired a head coach, a guy named Ed, Ezra Hendrickson. Uh, he's a longtime MLS assistant coach who's finally getting a shot at being a head coach. Uh, he was most recently with the Columbus Crew. He's also been with LA Galaxy in the past, St. Vincent and Grenadines, the country, and the Seattle Sounders um, in, I guess, the past. I'm not sure what order that was, but he's got a lot of experience in MLS. Never been a head coach, though. I don't know much about him. Personally, uh, I don't know if either of you do. I no, okay. I mean, I, well, I don't quickly. I was gonna say I, I don't know anything about him, and I, you know, nobody really knows anything about it. If we're being honest, um, casual MLS fans not going to know him. Even people like us who keep up with the league, we're not going to know a guy like this. Obviously, his work as an assistant is good. I think that's a good thing for Chicago. The thing that's really interesting to me about this hire is it's following this trend of like domestic based coaches. Uh, you know, you look at Atlanta United with Gonzalo Pineda and the Galaxy going with a domestic coach in Greg Vanny, uh, Toronto with Chris Armis and likely Bob Bradley, uh, just to name a few. I'm I'm sure SC Cincinnati is going to hire a domestic coach after going through just about every Dutch coach imaginable. And no, they can't get Frank DeBoer because he's going to be taking over the Manchester United job. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like there's this like really heavy trend of, of going with these domestic coaches. And Paul Tenorio actually had a good couple tweets about it earlier today. He was pointing out that we're seeing this happening a lot, but at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter you know, how much the coach understands about MLS because if he's not getting good players, it doesn't matter. If your scouting department is not doing a good job, it doesn't matter. If your, you know, executives and GMs don't understand the league, if they are not, um, you know, comfortable with what's going on, then it doesn't matter. And to me, that was just really interesting. And and there's there are non-domestic guys, there are foreign executives who are doing a good job. You look at Porig Smith out in Colorado. He struggled his first couple of years. He really did. But now they've got a good thing going in terms of their player recruitment and their strategy as far as who they acquire and the type of player that they bring in. And so, yeah, it's just something to think about as we see another, you know, this trend, it looks like, of going towards these assistants and sticking with these, you know, domestic-based coaches. Who did you say for Colorado? Porig Smith. That's how you pronounce it. Their current coach is... Robin no, no, no. Fraser. I'm sorry, not coach. They're they're GM, the guy above. Ah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, and hey, look, and Fraser's another example of getting a domestic coach. It's a guy who's been around the league for a long time. Yeah, he, you know, his stint in Chivas was unfortunate, but then he was with Toronto for so long as an assistant, and that's something that has panned out. 
But at the same time, as I pointed out, Porig Smith and the type of player that they decided to bring in as they were hiring Frazier, that makes a big difference too. So I'm part of me thinks that teams like Chicago and Cincinnati are, are still not going to figure it out because of bigger problems at the club. Uh, I think Chicago stands a better chance going forward if we were who we're going to decide between the two based on who's still there. But but yeah, interesting trend in MLS right now. Drew, what do you think of Chicago hiring Ezra Hendrickson? Yeah, I think he obviously we talked a little bit about his history coaching. He was an assistant for that Columbus crew team uh, that won it all last season so he knows how to win he knows a winning atmosphere a winning culture um he's been assistant with seattle so we know he did not win mls cup with seattle he was there before they won mls cup but you know seattle has just always been good he was with the galaxy so he's been around he knows the winning culture um which is really good and i think that is something really big in chicago right now chicago is just one of those teams that you just expect to lose every time you watch them play and to have someone who understands winning knows what it's like to be in the dressing room for a winning team that knows what it's like to win mls cup i think that has only good things for chicago so really exciting times uh can't get much worse from here for chicago i think we should also point out um he's another black head coach entering the league i think there is definitely not enough of those but we talked about robin frazier um so obviously really good thing that the league is doing we talked a little bit about that with Nkosi in our podcast a while ago dang that was a while ago but yes that's also really good from a social perspective but yeah all good things for Chicago he knows how to win and if you've been around the league this long I mean that means you're doing something right you don't stay in MLS this long and they don't allow scrubs to hang out as long as he has so good things he's played a while he's played in MLS he played for the Dallas Burn like the coolest team name in history so really excited for him and for Chicago hopefully it's not as bad as it has been in the past Yes, hopefully it isn't as bad as it has been. Uh, although it's going to be tough to beat how bad they have been. Um, yeah, and I think your point on another person of color getting a job as a head coach is huge. Uh, there aren't enough of those in any sort of coaching roles in MLS. And having someone as a head coach is going to be really, really good, especially in a city like Chicago. Um, but... On that, we're going to take a quick break before we dive into our MLS playoff brackets because the MLF, MLS playoffs start this weekend. So we will be right back to yell at each other. And we are back to talk some MLS multiplex podcast postseason predictions Super pumped. It's been a long season, 34 games of blood, sweat, and tears all leading up to the competition of a lifetime, the 2021 MLS Cup playoffs. And we are three dudes who are going to try and make predictions. And much like all of my March Madness brackets, this is going to bust on the first day, and I can't wait to see it all unravel like a hot mess. So I'm really excited about this. We're going to go, what are we going to do? We're going to do one game at a time, I think. Yes. We're going to see, okay, who do we want to start out with? The... Worst West or the Beast in the East? I just came up with those puns. I think I should deserve some credit on that. But which which no, side would you want to do? Not good. Not your best. Josh, just let me just let me have this one. <laughs> <laughs> do we want to do the West or the East? Let's do the West because it's on the left. All right, we'll do the West. I will start us off. Obviously, we'll go we'll go from the top down. We have Colorado 
our beloved Rapids getting the bye. And then we have Portland and Minnesota. Minnesota somehow got in there after losing their first four games, first team in MLS history to do that in normal playoff series. I have the beloved Portland Timbers beating the Loons, unfortunately. I love both these teams, but I have Portland going in that one. We just got to add these teams to the list of teams you love. I love the whole league, man. If your name's the Loons, they sing Wonderwall, Adrian Heath. How do you not love them? Minnesota's a great place. Well, I fear we're going to give Adrian Heath even more. No, no, I don't want to do this again. We do this every year. Yeah, we do it every year, and we're going to continue doing it because I also have Portland beating Minnesota. Josh, you going to continue this trend? No, I have Minnesota winning. Oh, let's go. I have doubted them. I I have doubted them long enough. All season long, I was like, there's no way this team makes a playoff. There's no way. And then they finally did it. And you know what? I just don't trust Portland like that. All of this to say, Portland could easily win this thing 5-0. And they probably should. It's a home game at Providence Park. But guess what happened last time Portland hosted a playoff game? Ricardo Pepe happened. And the Timbers lost the very end of the game. So you know what? I'm going loons on this one. And Minnesota are actually, I think, borderline fully healthy now. They they so, are a team that is built for the playoffs as compared to the regular season as well. It is important in, to keep that in mind. So, But moving on before we change our minds, we'll go on to the next game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, as, as you all know listening to this podcast, you could probably make an argument for any team in any of these games as the three of us were just discussing before getting into the segment. But Sporting Kansas City and Vancouver – what an exciting matchup. Who would have thought six months ago we'd be saying those words? But here we are. Oh, I don't know. Who would have thought that? Don't, no, 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 no. Don't, don't act like you, you saw this coming, all right? You did not. Just because you made a take and you stuck by it. Whatever. We're not getting into that. Um, I'll go first. I think the great Sartini continues his reign, and I am going with Vancouver and the huge upset over Sporting Kansas City. Okay. Drew, what are you going with? I don't want to do this, but <laughs> I built a brand around. You you, you can't City. win both of these teams. Vancouver yeah. was your original MLS team. Sporting Kansas City is, quote unquote, the best team in the West. It's, like, it's I the mean, Rapids. <laughs> We're both wrong. It's the Rapids. <laughs> I, pay, I have Sporting Kansas City. I think Vancouver's hot, um, but they've had a long break. This is only the beginning, though. This is only the beginning of the Sartini domination monopoly over Major League Soccer. This is going to fuel the fire for generations to come in Vancouver. But I have SKC going through on this one. I'm following in Josh's footsteps, and I'm taking Vancouver too. Got to stick by my brand. I don't think SKC are actually that made for the playoffs. Uh, Their big player is Johnny Russell and maybe Alan Polito. Who's not not even going to play He's not even going to play. Polito's um, not even healthy. There you go. And they lost Busio as well, so I think a lot of their success was early season. Vancouver, you got Ryan Gold, who's playing real out of his mind right now. Ben White, who somehow has turned into, like, prime Lewandowski. Br- Brian White. Um, Brian Did I say Ben White again? Yeah, you keep doing that. <sighs> I'm going to do that until the day I die. Yeah, so Vancouver are hot. I'm going with them. What about Seattle versus 
RSL. I think we all know who we're picking, so all in unison at once. Yeah, Seattle. Seattle. But they're not, they haven't won their last five games, zero wins. RSL's, they got Crylock. Well, they did the Crylocking. <laughs> Again, it's not that far fetched, but I think Seattle's going to do it. How bad do you think RSL wants to win this? This is their With Super their, Bowl. Their, their head coach left them midseason to go join Seattle Sounders as an assistant. Can you imagine warming up, taking the field, and you look over and 10 yards away as the guy that was your head coach like four months ago? I forgot that happened. This is the Freddie Juarez revenge game. And you know what? It doesn't matter because it's Seattle. <laughs> You're making me want to pick RSL. You're making hey, man, me look, they, they want to win. They, like, no one is going to want to win this game more than lose. RSL. But... At the end of the day, I, I don't think it matters. I mean, it's freaking Seattle. Do we want to do the entire West first, or do we want to do the East first round now? Uh, let's make it easier on our listeners. Let's just stick in the Western Conference and go through all the way. That's what I was then... was going to suggest. So, set conference semis one. Obviously, we both we all have Colorado. I have Portland. Josh, you have minnesota drew you have portland who do you have advancing in the conference semifinals drew portland colorado is going to be waiting forever to play this game like three weeks or something crazy like that never trust the one seeds portland does it okay josh I too would pick Portland over over Colorado, but I don't have Portland in that game. I have Minnesota. Therefore, I am picking Colorado to advance over Minnesota. I just think that you know what Drew's got an excellent point with the break. However, they've needed a couple guys to get healthy and so I think this might actually end up benefiting Colorado. How but like I said, if it was Portland, I'd probably pick Portland too. What about you, Connor? I am also going Colorado over Portland. Mm. Uh, I like Colorado a lot, and I think they're going to be very, very good uh, because I think they're very deep. So, yeah, uh, maybe that's a sneak peek to the conference finals. But next matchup, we all have Seattle. I have Vancouver. Josh, you have Vancouver. Drew, you have SKC. Drew, who do you have winning between Seattle and SKC? <laughs> you know exactly. I, I have like no choice. I be. have no choice. SKC is going to beat Seattle. What a surprise. All right, Josh, uh, I think where I know this is going too. Yeah, this is where the uh, the the Sartini dream, dream boat trip ends. The honeymoon is over. I got Seattle advancing to the conference final. I, on the other hand, have the honeymoon continuing. You I are crazy. Vancouver. You are crazy. You are I am absolutely crazy. insane. The reason I have Vancouver advancing is Seattle are without Ladero. And I think that's a huge loss. Vancouver, on the other hand, are fully healthy. 
and they are firing at all cylinders right now. You look at the last game of the season where Vancouver played Seattle. Vancouver was very threatening the entire match. I think Vancouver does it. That's my hot take of this episode. I think Vancouver gets to the conference finals. Let's go to the conference finals. I have Vancouver and Colorado. Josh, you have Colorado and Seattle. Drew, you have Portland and SKC. Drew, who are you going with? Portland. (laughs) It's either Portland or Seattle. That's how this world works. This is... (laughs) My beginning of the season prediction involved Portland and MLS Cup. I had to stick with it. It breaks my heart to see my beloved SKC, best team in the West, go down. But Portland, their defense is pretty terrible. But trust them to get done in the playoffs. So I'm going Portland. will make it to MLS Cup out of the Western Conference. All right, Josh, who do you have of Seattle and Colorado? I... Like Mr. Hubbard, I'm a man of culture and understanding, and so I know better than to not put Portland or Seattle into the final. So I think, uh, yeah, I think Seattle is going to beat Colorado. I say it all the time. We all know my take on this, but you need you need those game-breaking players. Colorado has none of those kinds of players. Um, They're very well-built for the regular season, and I think they are coached enough, well-coached enough to make it to a conference final. But when you're coming up a – against the team that one has experience and two has talent like Seattle really, really hard to pick against them. So I've got Seattle going to MLS cup yet again. I am incredibly torn and I have flip flopped between Colorado and Vancouver numerous times. I, I hope to God you have Vancouver in the final, at least make it a Cascadia team right now. I have Colorado, but As we've continued on this episode, I've increasingly wanted to switch it to call to Vancouver, so I'm switching it to Vancouver. Last minute. Woo! I have Vancouver going to MLS Cup. I think Santini will carry that team to glory. Um, yeah. I'm probably going to regret that, and it's going to be Colorado, but I'm going Vancouver. Got to... Live by the sword, die by the sword. That would Let's make the this like the best year like Canada soccer will ever have. <laughs> okay. Win gold, Let's... beat Mexico, Vancouver goes to the cup final. Would mean all of Canada's happy, except for Montreal. They're never happy. Uh, <laughs> let's do the East. Starting at the top, NYCFC versus your beloved Atlanta United. I think I know what both of your answers are going to be because both of you are pessimistic. Yes. And don't there like it your is. Teams. There it is. Yes. Yes. Yep. yes. Yep. yep. No yep. chance Atlanta wins this game. Same. Could not agree more. <laughs> I have Atlanta winning this game because of course you I do. think NYCFC losing Tinner Holm is going to really bite them in the playoffs. Nashville, Orlando. Wait, wait, wait. This I have two words. Tough. I have two words about the Atlanta United NYCFC game. Okay. okay. Two words. Baseball field. Yeah. Do you remember what Toronto FC have done to NYCFC on hey, that baseball field? In Atlanta, Atlanta United is a very solid one and O and O in the playoffs in Yankee Stadium. They Shout beat out Eric Rometty. Yeah, right. Famous weirdest goal I've ever seen. <laughs> the Atlanta United club legend Eric Rometty. 
definitely never want to go play for another MLS team or anything while he's here. Um, yeah, so they, they, they know how to get it done on said baseball field, but this is not the same. This is not the same LA United. All right, let's go to Nashville, Orlando now. This is an incredibly tough game to call. I'm sticking by my guns of Nashville not being very good. I'm going Orlando. <laughs> this guy. Yep. I think Drew and I Luke are on the same the page sword, here die as well. by the sword. I mean, hey, you're choosing to die, but that's okay. (laughs) Nashville gets it done. Unbeaten at home. Yeah, there's no chance. Might be on belly kicks, but... That's exactly it. Nashville at home is is recipe for being pretty much unstoppable, so I've got them over Orlando as well. All right. I have Nashville having not performed very well to close the season out for Orlando, who got a win on their last game. A big win against Montreal. We'll try to build off that, but... Final first round matchup, Philadelphia versus New York Red Bulls. I think we all know what we're going to pick here. No, I'm going Philadelphia. So I'll just say that now. Which one of you idiots is going for the Red Bulls? I'm going going Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. We're all too smart. Well, too smart to fall for that trap. Congratulations to the New York Red Bulls for advancing to the semifinals of the MLS Cup playoffs. (laughs) Uh, the MLS Multiplex Cup playoffs. Is how we'll put this. <laughs> First conference semifinal: New England versus Atlanta United. For me, New England versus NYCFC. For you two, what do you eat? Both of you have. We'll start with you, Josh, because we started with Drew throughout the West. Yeah, I'm going NYCFC on this one. I think they're going to pull the upset. No disrespect to New England. They're a really good team. I could very, you know, just as easily see them winning this game. The reason why I'm going with NYCFC is based on their regular season performances against New England. There weren't a lot of teams that gave the revolution fits this year. And NYCFC was one of those teams. So I think if there's any team that can beat New England and take them out of this playoffs, it's going to be uh, the citizens. Um, I feel like there's something. Oh, one other thing, and I found this really interesting. But apparently, New England does better against like set defenses. So like teams that want to sit back and bunker against the Revolution, like that's not what you want to do. The Revs will tear you apart. That's not how NYCFC plays. That's not what they do. So I do think that this is a recipe for success for NYCFC, and that they'll make it through to the conference final. Surprisingly, Drew. I think this will be the biggest test for New England, given how long they've waited and just the success NYCFC has had against the Revs. But I think the Revs squeak one out. I think New England win quite comfortably. Simple as that. Let's go to the other East matchup. This is where things get confusing. (laughs) Because we all have... Well, actually, we don't actually all have different teams. We all have Philadelphia going through. I have Orlando. You two have Nashville. Who do you have, Josh, winning between Nashville and Philadelphia? I'm going Nashville. I'm going Nashville with the upset. Uh, they're again, they're built for the playoffs, man. Like that's what this team is like made for in terms of performances. And yeah, it's on the road, and so I do think that you know there's a chance that they might not be able to get it done because of that. But 
But they've also played so many road games in this back half of the schedule that they're a little battle-tested. And I also think that Hani Mukhtar is now in a position to where, again, you, you look at either of these teams and tell me who a game-breaking player is. It's probably Mukhtar. And Philly, Philly do not have that game-breaking guy that's going to make that play and get the job done. So I'm going Nashville with the upset. Drew, who are you going, Nashville or Philadelphia? Sticking with the boys in gold, I'm going Nashville. Hardest score against them. You just need one. Could be accidentally. Jonner Cadiz could accidentally score. <laughs> Ake Loba could figure it out finally, depending on whether or not he plays. Walker Zimmerman's throw on set pieces. I'm going Nashville. It's not a huge upset. It's a three over a two, so we've seen Stranger Things. So I'm going Nashville. I'm going Philadelphia over Nashville. Or over Orlando, sorry. I don't have Nashville. Philadelphia over Orlando. Let's finish with our conference finals. Drew, you have New England versus Nashville. Josh, you have Nashville versus New York City FC. I have New England versus Philadelphia. Look at all this variety. Josh. Yeah, look at we're we're bound somebody's bound to get it right. That's what you <laughs> think. We all get it wrong. And then the Red Bulls win it all. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Josh, we've been starting with you. We're going to continue starting with you. Who do you have? New England or NYCFC? Not New England. Nashville or NYCFC. It's a lot of N teams. I've got Nashville going to MLS Cup Final. Oh, my God. I've got Nashville going all the way to MLS Cup Final. I cannot believe, like, I filled out the bracket and I looked at it and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, how did I get here? How did this happen? Uh, But... They'll, they'll be a home when they play NYCFC in my made-up alternate timeline that definitely will not become our actual timeline. But, um, yeah, I've got, I've got Nashville getting it done. Again, if they're going to be at home like that, which I, you know, I'm, I'm banking on, then I just don't see how anybody can really stop them. I, they do worry me as a team that could potentially push for MLS Cup, which makes my take for the beginning of the season look even worse than it already <laughs> does. Um but, Drew, who do you have going to MLS Cup? New England or Nashville? This hurts. This is a tough one. My beloved boys in gold versus my... Your former employers. My former <laughs> employers, yes. I I have the revs. And if, if it happens to me, if my thing happens, Nashville will not be at home. They'll be on the road in Foxborough. Um so I think, like we talk about, Nashville could very well just go to the conference finals off penalty kicks alone, but they could also lose, uh, and I think it just takes one slip up. Um, so it pains my heart, but I'm picking the Revs to beat Nashville and go to the MLS Cup Final. I'm also picking New England to make it to MLS Cup Final. I just have them over Philadelphia. Uh We'll see whether or not that pays off. The last time a one seed went on to MLS Cup Final was Toronto FC in 2017? Unless it was Atlanta in 2018? Nope, he blew it to Toronto in the final day of the regular season. 2019. Right, you came second behind the Red Bull. Red Bulls. All right, well, let's do our MLS Cup Final predictions before we sort of wrap up the episode. My final is Vancouver against New England. (laughs) Drew, you are New England 
versus Portland. Portland. Josh, you are Nashville versus Seattle. Why are you, is Drew look like he's about to die laughing? This is hilarious. Looking at this bracket, oh. this is so this, this is hilarious. This is so funny. Did you just hear the team names that came out of your mouth just then when you <laughs> when you just gave us all our like what in the world? <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's insane. But we'll start with you, Josh. We'll continue starting with you. You have Seattle against Nashville. Do you have Seattle? winning their third MLS Cup in seven years? Six years? 2016? Or does the South continue its second year success trend? Check it out on ABC on, I don't even know, when is the final? What do you have winning it all, Josh? <laughs> Boys in gold. I got yes. Nashville. I got Nashville pulling off the upset over Seattle. Um, and I feel like God awful about picking them over Seattle because this is going to be taking place in Seattle and like, it makes zero sense. Actually, wait a second. Seattle's worse at home than they are on the road. No, 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 no. Uh, what's their point totals? Because it's based on point totals. Uh, it's not going to be Seattle on Seattle finished on 61. Seattle finished on 60, Nashville 54. So it would be in Seattle. Oh, I was one off. All right. Um, I... <laughs> I'm not feeling good whatsoever about picking Nashville over Seattle, but I just, I don't, yeah, Nashville. I'm going Nashville. <laughs> two, one, 2 1 win, by the way, is what I put down as my tiebreak score. 2 1 win. Okay. Yeah. Drew, who do you have winning between Portland and New England? I made this prediction at the beginning of the season, not knowing how good the revs were going to be, but I'm going to stick by my prediction. I think the revs success or lack thereof in MLS cups is going to continue. I think Portland will beat new England two one in the MLS cup final. I think you never pick the team to win the shield that won the shield to win the cup. And I think the Reds are just going to have another ounce of pain in their history of getting to finals and losing it, whereas Portland is going to go, this will be their second trip to MLS Cup, and this will be their second MLS Cup. So I have Portland winning MLS Cup 2021 after winning MLS's back last year, and they will defeat the New England Revolution 2-1 to one in Foxborough. So I have Portland beating New England. That was my take from the beginning of the season, and thankfully... It's possible now. So I have Portland winning it all. Connor, who's in your cup final again, and who do you have winning MLS Cup this year? Directly bouncing off of you, I have Vancouver against New England, and I have New England winning MLS Cup uh, by a score of 2 to nothing. Uh, we will see whether or not that happens. I'm taking the Shield winners. I think it's bound to happen at some point. They're such a good team. Um, so, yeah, I have New England winning. Let's do our players of the week, goals of the week, and our games to watch, which Josh has yet to pick. Starting with goals of the week, we'll start with Josh so that he has the most time to pick his game to watch in between us uh, telling you our goals of the week. Josh, which unsurprising goal did you go with? Uh, 
the Mikhail Antonio strike. Like I said, I mean, it's just I, I wasn't even mad. I was just like, man, that's that's like that's that's a dude who's like got the third most goals in the Premier League right now. Like, what do you expect? Even though that was the first time in his career he'd scored a goal from outside the box, that's not important. But that made it even more impressive. So yeah, I had to go with the Antonio strike. Drew, you've changed yours. I noticed what it used to be. What is your new goal of the week? I did. I went with uh, the first one just against Canada's first one against Mexico just because um, Alistair Johnson did something for Canada, which was cool. <laughs> but I went with Tim Weyes, uh against Jamaica. It was a nice little one-two play. And that was a good finish on his part. He had a really good window. So I went with Timothy Weyes goal against Jamaica. That was eventually canceled out by Josh's goal of the week. But Connor, who was your goal of the week and uh why was it your goal of the week unsurprisingly i went with kyle aaron's second goal off the free kick mostly for as you were alluding to steven eustachio's gorgeous ball uh you can't play a ball much better than that off a free kick it was just perfect really calm collected finish uh first time off a of volley so i went with kyle aaron i'll stick with kyle aaron for my player of the week because he got two goals against mexico uh and an impressive impressive performance in a very crucial game for a guy who's had a very 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 good season uh this year both for besiktas and for canada drew who did you go for your player of the week yeah i went with Yunus Musa. he didn't score or get an assist or anything but just both his games um saw clips going around on twitter just of his performance against mexico and how well he just paired with tyler adams and weston mckinney in the midfield in that first game so he played really well and then jamaica uh didn't see as much going on obviously mckinney was suspended that second game because of yellow card accumulation i think i think cam and miles robinson were both suspended um but i thought he still played well i think that's kind of People have been wondering about him and how he fits in this team, but he tore it up these last two games, specifically that Mexico game. So I went with Eunice Moose as my player of the week. Josh, who was your player of the week? Yeah, I went with Timothy Weah, who actually got Greg Berhalter's Man of the Match award for the Mexico game. And then, you know, he scored that goal against Jamaica, which, what a cool goal for him. His mom is from, I think she was born in Kingston. Um, so he is of uh, Jamaican heritage, and so just a just is a, he? yeah, because they also announced that he was the son of the other Wea. Yes, you mean the president of Liberia, George Wea, former former yes. Ballon d'Or winner, George Wea. You mean that guy? Yes, yes, that is also Timothy Wea's dad. He's got a lot. There's what? a lot going thought, on there. I thought that wasn't true. I thought that was. No, George Weah is a definitely myth. his dad. No, it's not a myth whatsoever. Yes, his dad is the president of a country, and his mom was born in Jamaica, and he lived in New York when he was growing up, and that's why he plays for the U.S. But anyway, um, yeah, Timothy Weah, oh, great. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, he, it's really cool. Like, he's just a, and he's just a cool, like, really cool guy. Um, yeah, he, he was great against uh, Mexico. Uh, and then also against Jamaica, I, if not for the Mikhail Antonio goal, like right after, like 
Timothy Weah's goal was like already phenomenal on its own. Like as I was watching it happen, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then he scored. I was like, oh my, I couldn't even believe he scored. And the angle from the way it looked, it was just so good. So good for him. It's so great to see him finally reaching his potential. He's dealt with so many injuries. So just just cool all around. So Weah gets my player of the week. What about your uh, game to watch, Josh? What is your game to watch? Yeah, you know what? So my game to watch, uh, honestly, I would have picked your game, Connor, but I'm not going to be a jerk and steal it right now. Uh, and then, honestly, just from looking like at the other games, like I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to pick one this week because these are playoff games, and if you are an MLS fan, it is like it's your job to get in there and watch all these games because. They're all amazing. They're all so good. I remember watching SKC in San Jose last year and freaking Chris Wondolowski forcing that thing to PKs only for Tim Melia to not let in a single goal. I remember the utter chaotic madness of Orlando City versus New York City FC in PKs with Rodrigo Schlegel. I mean, come on. Like, How can you not? I mean, I'm about to cry with like joy and excitement for what is arguably the best time of the year. So I will not, I will not be unjust to myself and pick just one game when I can say <laughs> all the games, they're all going to be awesome. I can't wait to watch all of them. It's amazing how your perspective changes when you leave school and don't have 20 assignments due at the end of the semester. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. You have I, have, I have no stress whatsoever. It's all good. <laughs> As I'm thinking about, okay, how am I going to watch all those games with around 2,000 words due Monday, uh, 2,500 words due Thursday, and a paper due Wednesday? Let's see. How do I? I have to figure out my timing for that. To to Uh, be fair, usually I um, I would normally be teaching on the weekend, but because of a weird scheduling quirk, we taught this past weekend. And it, it was supposed to be this weekend. So I suddenly have a free weekend. And then plus it's Thanksgiving break after that. So I don't even have teaching anyway. So I am unlucky. Things have lined up very nicely with the playoff calendar and with my real life calendar. There you go. There you go. So Josh is lucky and gets to watch all the games. So therefore he doesn't pick a game. Drew, you and I are not so lucky because we both have schoolwork and other <laughs> work that we have to do. What is your game to watch? Yes, I went with RSL Seattle just because it's cooking for an upset. You get a team that barely squeaked in there with Demir Krylock, and you get a team that hasn't been playing too well. But at the end of every conversation you have about the Seattle Sounders, you can literally just end it by saying, but it's Seattle, and it makes sense. So we'll see what happens. 10.30 on Tuesday, am I actually going to stay up? I have no idea. But we'll find out. We'll see what happens. Should I be doing schoolwork? Absolutely. Will I? Absolutely not. So my game to watch, Seattle RSL, 1030 on Tuesday. Connor, you got a good one. That's thankfully on a weekend. Shout out to the Atlanta Falcons for not playing on Sunday this week, just so I have no excuse to not just sit there all weekend and watch MLS. So I'm very excited about it. But Connor, what is your game to watch this week? My game to watch is Sporting KC against the Vancouver Whitecaps, 5 p.m. on Saturday. It's going to be an unbelievable game. Two very good teams who are in fairly good form. Um, Yeah, big fans of this game. I think it's going to do... It's hopefully going to be really, really entertaining. Um, And yeah, Uh, if you haven't already, by the way, join our bracket challenge, please. Uh, 
that would be ideal. Um, so, yeah, join the bracket challenge. It'll be in the description of the podcast. Uh, and unfortunately, Drew's headphones have decided to give up on him. Uh, so I'm going to end this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, please review the podcast. We'd love to know how we can get better and how you'd like us to improve because ultimately we're doing this for you and we want to hear what you have to say and how you want us to adjust the podcast. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at C-W-G-S-O-M-E-R-B-I-L-L-E. You can follow Josh on Twitter at Josh underscore Boland and Drew on Twitter at Drew at underscore Drew Hubbard. Um, make sure to check out the website, MLS Multiplex. You can read all the amazing articles that continue to get pumped out there. Uh, make sure to check out all of our past episodes. We mentioned the Nkosi episode. Go back and listen to that. Uh, it's a really good interview with him, and he talks about some really important subjects. But I'll end it there. Enjoy the games this week. Thank you for listening, and we will hopefully see you next week, if not the week after that. Peace. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.